Hey there, welcome to night school. And it's Thursday, aka First Friday, which is always a good day. Most of the time, I'm not going to say Thursday is always a good day. I'll say it's always a necessary day. More necessary than other days, maybe. It is to me, at least. If you told me to get rid of every day and I could only have one day, I would pick Thursday. So I always try to make good use of them. And now here I am doing this. So it shows you that I don't even always follow my own rules. Is this a good use of my time? Probably not. But uh, anyway, I was thinking about uh, something the other night. The other night, it was one of those nights where, you know, I'm not somebody who, I I feel like my interests are pretty, I have certain lanes I go down at this point. Like I'm always, you know, I don't turn anything down that interests me. You know, obviously I've kind of phased out of some interests. Like I don't delve into the dark true crime material that I used to be obsessed with. Not counting the mafia. I don't consider that the same kind of true crime. But I, I don't dwell, in, you know, in the dark stuff. I kind of That was just kind of naturally losing some of my interest, kind of exhausting it. What else could I possibly get out of that subject? What else could I possibly learn? about the human mind from that subject without getting completely indulgent. And I feel like I was already running that risk anyway. And we can see what's happened with that. You know, we can see where, you know, true crime is like, it's an essential part of people's identity today, which is strange. Yet, I, I obviously, I understand it because I went through my own long time, you know, 30-year true crime phase. But I think that was enough. But if the thing is, though, if, if I had some reason to be interested in it, I wouldn't deny that. I would just maybe try to be aware of why I'm interested in it. But uh, it, was, it was one of those nights the other night, though, where, like, through some just random thing, I was just sitting there looking at things on, online, which I don't normally veer out of my lane in that regard. I kind of look at what I'm going to look at. And I ended up watching this like YouTube live streamer, some famous guy, you know, I wouldn't, I would have no idea who he is, but he's some guy who plays video games. And it was him playing this Friday the 13th game. It was like some sort of Friday the 13th online game where you play kids in the campground who are trying to avoid Jason. And, I was watching that, though, and it was like five hours long. So it was like five hours of some guy just marathon playing. And it was like him and his girlfriend. It turns out his girlfriend is a famous online gamer, too. And, of course, she's beautiful. They're Canadian. I ended up looking into them. This is what happens. I ended up looking into them. And uh, she's, you know, she, she does, like, workout videos. Because, like, I, I was saying recently how it seems like all media today veers into self-help. Like somebody who plays video games online for a living and has millions of fans doing for doing that. Like they also make workout videos, <laughs> you know, and they probably give other advice too. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like I said, I run the risk of doing it here sometimes when I'm just talking about things that have worked for me or what makes sense to me. You know, I think there's a reason why everything veers that way. I mean, some people are trying to sell you something. Some people do it in a pompous way. 
but I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with somebody who's a professional gamer who turns around and is like, here's my workout videos. Put on your yogi pants and uh, do this workout because it, it, it'll make your butt look big if you're uh, just some average Canadian girl like me who plays video games. But anyway, that's uh, the thing that's gotten big in, in recent years is like these butt exercises, like women are focused on making their butts look bigger. Which I encourage, you know, I encourage that, but it's not creep hour right now. What am I doing? It's not creep hour. We're talking about Friday the 13th. And what was funny, though, the first thought I had, I was watching this game, and, you know, why I was watching it, you know, it was one of those late night things. I was just curious because the game looked fun. And I don't, I don't play video, I don't play video games anymore. So video games to me are me watching other people play video games, which I never do. Or, like I said, like looking up video games once every six months, like looking at pictures of video games I've never played, that to me is the video game that I play. It's the My video game is the game where I look up video games. It's called looking up video games. But as I was watching them play this game, it looked fun. You know, it looked like a good game. I would never play it, but it looked good. I would never play it. Oh, she looked, she looked good, but I, I would never go out with her, you know. Uh, but anyway, I was watching them play this game, and like the guy's girlfriend was like in the background, like yelling the entire time, which got me. Like, and the guy, the guy who's the actual host, you know, he's funny. Like, I mean, for I can imagine the kids who watch this find him funny. It's not for me. I'm just really trying to distance myself from this. I'm so ashamed, you know, that I paid attention to this. But you know, he was funny enough. Like, I could see why kids like this guy. I mean, he kind of dresses like it's funny at some point. Like, like. People who are like professional gamers became like kind of gangster. Like they wear a sideways hat. They were, it's like hip hop fashion. I guess everything is just, again, it's just like novelty being combined with novelty. Like, of course, professional gamers and hip hop crossover in this endless hybrid of novelties that we live in. But I, the guy was all right for what he does. And I, I, from what I gather, like his fans are all children. Because I was looking at the comments. And somebody replied, and why I was so invested in this, I don't know, but somebody replied and they said, I, I remember watching this when I was seven. And the video was posted in 2017. And somebody replied and they said, you're 10 now? And the kid said, yeah. And then the other kid said, I was 10 when I saw this. So you have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old being nostalgic about a live stream video game they watched when they were seven and ten which I understand like when you're ten years old three years ago was almost a third of your life like I, I'm not I'm not bashing these kids okay but it was kind of strange because I just saw this comment and I was like I'm reading a comment from a ten-year-old and I, I guess I don't go places where that's even possible like I never think like, like, cause I mean, the thing about it too is like, you would never know that otherwise, unless the kid said, I was seven, I'm 10 now, unless the kid actually said that you wouldn't just see this YouTube comment and automatically think like they knew how to type, I guess is what I'm getting at. And of course they do. Kids are growing up with this stuff. Of course they know how to type. Of course they know how to find their way around YouTube. They know their way. They know how to use a phone at a very early age. It's around them all the time. It becomes intuitive. It's nature. And if you're a baby born in the world today, all of these things are natural to you. 
a baby doesn't say, oh, I don't want to use daddy's smartphone to play my games because I got to limit my screen time, man. I got to limit, you know, a baby isn't thinking that a baby's just thinking this is a fun game and this is an object available to me. It's no different from a rock that you throw. And they might throw the phone too. The baby might throw the phone like a rock. But anyway, just seeing these comments from these children, I'm just like, you know, I guess I never even consider the possibility that what I'm reading online might have been written by a 10-year-old or a 7-year-old. I just never think about that. Uh, but then I was watching this video, like, and I only watched like an hour. I watched about an hour of this five-hour video, so I'm not sick. I'm not completely sick. I, I didn't watch a, a guy play the Friday the 13th video game for five hours while his girlfriend yelled in the background. Because I wanted to say something about that. The girlfriend, because like I said, she's a professional gamer too, but her boyfriend's more famous. And she's in the background, and like the boyfriend will say something, and then she'll be like, yeah, we have t-shirts too, if you go to dot, dot, dot. But she wasn't on mic, so she was just yelling. She was just yelling in the background. She did it throughout the entire video, because she was playing the game with him. And so she was like narrating it too and like just butting in like anytime he would be quiet, she would butt in with something, but a lot of promotional stuff. Like she was there to like cheerlead and be like, oh, and you can buy this or support us. You know, it's like that sort of thing, that sort of talk, which I'm I'm not faulting them for. Obviously, these people are are wealthy just for playing video games and and doing this and just rapping and and it appeals to seven-year-olds and 10-year-olds, you know? So obviously, obviously what they do in works, you can't, you can't argue with like a, a million 10-year-olds watching your video. You know, you can't argue with a million 10-year-olds. They, they know what they like. It's what's interesting to them. But while I was watching this, I also realized, like, I'm so familiar with this, with what Friday the 13th is and have been since I was young, but I realized I've never seen it. And that's what was crazy about that is I realized at one point when I was a kid, I lied about having seen it. And I think I even convinced myself that I had. I can almost remember. I don't remember who the conversation was with, but it was with one of my friends growing up. We were probably in like, what, fifth grade. And someone, they said to me like, oh, you've seen Friday the 13th, right? And I said, yeah. Because I guess I didn't want to stop the flow or or maybe I wanted to be cool. You know, I don't know. I don't know what my motivation was for lying about having seen Friday the 13th. But movies tend to do that. You know, movies and TV, like not having seen the thing, not having heard the thing that people are talking about. There's something that makes us cringe when we can't, you know, it's, it's except we cringe inside at the idea of like telling somebody you haven't seen this thing they're about to talk to us about. Like something inside of you goes, oh no, like it's going to be embarrassing or this person isn't going to like me if I've never seen Friday the 13th. And this was probably one of my friends, so it wasn't even about this person liking me, but just something about this. I, I, I just impulsively lied about having seen Friday the 13th. And to this day, I've never seen it. Like, even though, yeah, the hockey mask, like, the, you know, we all know who Jason is. I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but I've never actually sat down and watched any of the movies. I can't say with a straight face that I've watched any one of the Friday the 13th movies. Yet at some point early in my life, I lied about it. 
And it's, I've even kept up the lie. Like, it's not like people are coming up to me talking about Friday the 13th all the time. And I'm not a horror movie guy, so it doesn't matter. You know, it's not like, it's not like I've been this horror movie fan who's secretly lied. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should lie. Like, even though I'm not a horror movie fan, I have a lot of friends who are, so I could easily get all the information I need to start lying. That'd be probably a good way to get girls these days, lie about horror movies. Pretend to be really knowledgeable. It's not like you actually need to know that much. You just like look up like some horror movie blog and just like pick a random scene that everybody talks about. Oh, the scene where the guy, his hand comes out of the guy's eyeball, you know, whatever it is. You could easily lie. It'd be great though, like to lie to a girl about having seen certain horror movies and she's actually lying to you too. So neither of you has seen it and you're both lying. Just to impress the other. That's marriage. That's how marriage works in 2021. Is you both lie about liking certain horror movies. And you get married. And then at some point you you both see the movie for the first time. Like you tell your wife. Like oh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Uh, we should really watch it. And she's like yeah I haven't seen it in a while either. And you're both watching it but for the first time. And your mind's, you're, you're both reacting as if it's the first time. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know what this scenario is. Um, but uh, yeah, I lied at some point and then I just kept the lie up. Because even in adulthood, somebody brought it up. Like a, a friend of mine brought up like that, whatever that sound is. Because see, that's the thing is like, it's, it's so, uh, I know so much about it through osmosis. You know, you learn so much about Friday the 13th just through osmosis, cultural osmosis that... Like, I knew about that sound they play, I guess, I, and I don't know, I'm, I'm lying right now if I were to say that I know exactly when they play it in the movie, but I guess it's when Jason's creeping around or when he's nearby, there's this kind of like, this voice, which is actually awesome, like that is actually, because they had it in the video game, they had it in the video game, I've, I've seen the video game, I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the video game, but they had it in the game too, and that is genuinely eerie. That kind of thing is genuinely eerie to have that like, I'm not going to do it. It's going to turn into like some stupid song. But anyway, that whisper, like clicking noise with the voice that they use in Friday the 13th, all you people who have seen it are probably listening like, you're not even explaining it right. You're not even explaining it right. Go back and watch live streams for seven-year-olds. I might. I just might. It's funny how in the moment, though, like when I was watching that, it was right before bed and I was staying up too late. I brought my computer into bed, which I haven't really done for a long time. And I was just, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I want to stay, I want to be doing something until I absolutely have to fall asleep, until my body just tells me I have to go to sleep. That's kind of been my mindset lately. So I'm watching this video and, but waking up and thinking about it, I was disgusted. It was almost like some kind of like sexual remorse. Not that there was anything sexual for me about watching this, but I've had that experience before where I'll wake up and I'll turn my computer on or or whenever the next time I turn my computer on, I'll see like what the open tabs were. And not that it's anything embarrassing, not that it's anything filthy or pornographic, but just, you know, seeing that, oh, I was watching, I watched an hour of a Friday the 13th, the game live stream. 
that's a certain kind of disgust that I feel inside. Like I spent my time doing that. But in the moment, it was oddly fascinating, especially because I have no experience with these online gamers. I'm not blown away by it. I'm not one of these people who was shocked. Like, I can't believe that kids are playing video games and making a billion dollars today. Do you hear this kid? He made a billion, billion dollars playing video games on his ass. You know, it's like I'm not one of those people who was shocked. It actually makes complete sense because you did enjoy watching people play games growing up. Like you did kind of enjoy watching your friend or if you had a friend who was really good at video games, it was fun because they would like they would do things that you couldn't do. So I'm not shocked that people got into watching people play video games online. What's weird is like you can see their face. Like that's an odd part about it is throughout the entire game, like all the video guys this this guy all the videos this guy does, he has like a little webcam panel in the corner that shows his face. And that's kind of a strange thing. Like people want that human connection. Like they don't just want to watch this guy play the video game. They want to see his face and see him talking and see him reacting. And I don't really care about that. Like I don't need, you know, live streaming isn't for me, but just in anything. I don't necessarily need to see the person's face. But uh, with, with this this whole thing, though, uh, like I'm not shocked that it, I'm not shocked that people are professional gamers and they make good money. I am shocked at the amount of money they make. But I feel the same way about podcasts who make a living. I feel the way about all kinds of ways that people make a living online now. I'm kind of blown away by all of it. So professional gamers are just one piece of that pie as far as I'm concerned. But that's a big piece because I can't believe the amount of money they're making. But in terms of just being professionals and having a following, no, I'm not surprised because we live in a digital world. We live in a video game world now. You know, fathers play more video games than their sons these days. So I'm not surprised at all that this is how things played out. And I mean, I've only ever, before this, I'd only ever watched uh, one live stream, or I only ever watched one person play a video game online, which was uh, when I first started getting into fitness and working out at home, I was like, you know, I don't want to watch, I don't want to listen to music all the time while I work out. Like, since I'm at home, I want to, maybe I'll watch things, maybe I'll watch shows or movies or, you know, anything online. And so I actually watched somebody play one of my favorite games, Sweet Coden. Probably my all-time favorite RPG series. I mean, I would say Sweet Coden 2 is without a doubt the best RPG I've ever played. Definitely my favorite, or at least up there. There's nothing higher. It's a first among equals as far as my taste in RPG goes, RPGs goes. But I watched someone play the first Sweet Coden game while I worked out over the span of about a week. Every time I would work out, I would just put that on pick up where I left off and work out and watch somebody play a video game, which was kind of cool at the time because I think I was stoned. I think I was smoking weed, just lifting weights, watching somebody play one of my favorite games, kind of a, a stupid but satisfying situation. But then now I'm, I'm watching people play Friday the 13th, a movie I've never seen, a movie I lied about seeing at a certain age for whatever reason, for the same reason all kinds of kids lie I mean, I know somebody who lied about having a bike when they didn't, and they weren't poor. They just didn't have a bike, and they lied to their friends, and it became this big thing. I never even knew how to ride a bike. I never had to lie about owning a bike because I never learned. 
never once rode a bike in my entire life. And that's, that's where I think like, as much as I don't, I don't feel like I came from a single parent household. There's those little things that come to mind where I was like, yeah, that's probably one of those single parent household things where it was just like, your, your parent is already doing so much. If your kid is stubborn about learning how to ride a bike, which I no doubt was, it's probably just one of those things you have to say, eh, you know, either we'll get to it or it's not the end of the world if we don't. But yeah, I don't know how to ride a bike. And I actually feel a certain kinship with other people who can't. Like, whenever I meet somebody who can't ride a bike, I feel like we're family. And I don't meet them very often because it's not something you broadcast. Because now that I'm older, I'm actually proud of it. But growing up, it was something that, you know, I was a little bit embarrassed about. Like, it never really came up. There was only one time that I remember going over to some kid's house, and he said, oh, maybe later we'll take the bikes out. Oh, maybe later we'll take the bikes out. And just in my head, I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to tell him I can't ride a bike or come up with some other excuse. But I must have subconsciously gravitated toward people who weren't going to try to make me ride bikes. Like, none of my friends were that into bikes nobody none of my friends growing up like everybody was active everybody was like a skateboarder everybody was out there doing things all my friends and I were outdoors all the time but none of them were the types of kids who were like let's ride our bikes today and I was talking to one of my best friends that I've known since I was a kid the other day and I actually mentioned this to him I was like you know I can't ride a bike and he said he had no idea he knew me he's known me 30 years and he had no idea that I can't ride a bike so I must have hit it well I came out, though. It feels so good to come out. I got something I got to tell you. I don't know how to ride a bike. I don't know how to ride a bike. What are you saying? I can't even hear what you're saying. I don't know how to ride a bike. It feels good to say it that way. I don't know how to, I don't know how to ride a bike. But, uh, no, no it was, it's amazing to me. My friend had no idea, but it just never came up. People didn't try to force me. It didn't. It just didn't happen. I didn't go to bike riding parties. But maybe I subconsciously knew. It's almost like Napoleon Hill, the idea of embedding something in your subconscious. And if you embed an idea in your subconscious, you will subconsciously pursue that. So maybe deep down in my subconscious, I was telling myself, don't get into situations where you might have to ride a bike. Don't get into situations where people are going to try to make you ride a bike. And then that, uh, that made me choose friends subconsciously. Somehow I knew the friends I chose weren't going to be bike riders. Maybe. You never know. But now I'm kind of proud of it. Like it, It's kind of nice to not be able to do something that everybody knows how to do and takes for granted. Little kids know how to do it. And a good friend of mine just recently got into biking, and he's been encouraging me to do it. And it does sound wonderful. I'm sure I would love it if I could do it. Because he was saying he's been going for bike rides at night, and he's never done that. He just recently got a bike, and he just goes for these bike rides. And I was like, I'm sure that's wonderful. But I also kind of have this secret pride that I can't do something. It's almost like not being able to swim. Although swimming, you know, you need that for survival. I met a girl actually some years back, and she couldn't bike and she couldn't swim. I thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, I considered her family because she couldn't bike. But I can swim. I just haven't done it in like 10 years. I think I could do it, though. I think I still know how to do it a little bit. But, yeah, that idea of lying about things, though, I mean, it speaks for itself. Like, everybody's done it. Chances are every single person at some point growing up told some minor 
stupid lie, like having seen something that they hadn't actually seen. You just didn't want to feel left out. Like I've even laughed at things people referenced, you know, because people love referential humor. Oh man, like Friday. If you if you watch Friday, there's a scene where he says, blah, blah. "Ice Cube says," blah. <laughs> like a crowd of people in school laughing. You laugh along with them. I'm the only one in school who never saw Friday. It is something we do, though. And it's okay. I mean, (laughs) that's the funny thing is like I look back and it's like I do feel this certain pain. I do feel like this little tiny spear. Like it's like this little demon holding like a very fine spear and he's just poking me in the ribs with it when I think about that memory. Like lying about something that trivial and stupid. Lying about having seen Friday the 13th. I mean, it sucks having to keep up a lie. That is a terrible feeling. And as I've said on here before, it's like when you lie, your world gets smaller. And when you tell the truth, like your world is open. There's many more possibilities if you're truthful. But when you deliberately lie, when you knowingly lie, you really do end up in this small world. You end up in this shadow world, too. It's like upside down world. And what I've found from pathological liars who I've known, which isn't very many, you know, I don't think I've known that many pathological liars, but the ones that I have come across, they aren't necessarily very good at it. At least in my opinion, my humble opinion, in my critique of pathological liars I've known, they're not particularly good at it. And anytime you're participating in a lie with somebody, Anytime that somebody you know, I mean, I talked about affairs on here not that long ago. That's a a good situation, though. I don't want to belabor the point about people having affairs and all that. But that is one of the best examples, because a lot of the time, one person is kind of reassuring the other person that it'll be okay, that they have it figured out, that they will keep it a secret or they have some sort of strategy. But you should never trust somebody who's lying in the first place. Like the sort of person who's like, here's, we're going to have this affair and I'm going to lie to my husband. Yeah, I'm going to trust that person. I'm going to trust the person who is already lying. I'm going to trust the plan they have for that lie. Because if somebody was actually strong, if somebody was, act- if somebody was trustworthy, you wouldn't be going along with them in a lie. And by trustworthy, I, I don't just mean honest. I mean trustworthy in the sense that you trust that they know what they're doing. Because that's the big thing, is, is you have to trust that somebody knows what they're doing. And it's, it's hilarious to me that we go through life knowingly trusting liars and saying like, oh, well, it seems like he knows what he's doing. He's lying. How could you ever trust a liar? Like, you know, and, and it's just funny. It's funny. But yeah, lying, it doesn't make your world smaller. Like you're constantly having to keep track of what you said, keep track of what you claim you did. You know, every relationship reflects that. Every interaction you have reflects that. And you just, you can't end up believing it though. Because I, I do feel that I almost believed. I don't think that I ever truly believed I had seen Friday the 13th or any of its sequels. 
but I, I don't think I realized that I hadn't until I was watching this video the other night of the video game. And I was like, you know, I actually want to watch that now. Even though I'm not a horror movie guy, the idea of watching some sort of camp movie, some dark movie that involves a campground, kids at a camp, that actually sounds really good right now. It being summer. I know there's other movies too. I know there's sleep, sleep away camp. I wonder what that's about. I wonder where that takes place. It takes place in a tenement building in New York City in 1920. Sleepaway Camp is, is about a, a family living in a tenement building. No, it's pretty obvious what that's about. I've never seen that either because I've never seen a lot of horror movies. Horror movies. Speaking of camp, though, I never went to camp. I never went to one of those overnight camps. I think about a couple little things that could have changed me fundamentally. One is that I never had to go to an overnight camp when I was growing up. And that either would have pushed me one way or the other. Like if I went to if I went to some overnight sleepaway camp at a certain age, I feel like it would have either made me more socially agreeable, where like I would be just living a really good, successful, normal life right now, all because I went to camp when I was twelve, or it would have pushed me the other direction, and I would be just that much more savage and sociopathic. It would have made me hate people. You know, I could see it going the other, you know, either way. Like, I never lived in a dorm room either. Like, when I was in college, I didn't have to live in the dorms. And that's another one where I, I mean, it's pretty much sleepaway camp. Living in dorms. As someone who's never done it. (laughs) I can tell you it's just like sleepaway camp. No, but it's similar. And that's another one where it's like that either would have made me that much more socially agreeable and better off in that regard, or just I'd be killing people. I'd just be, I would have lost it all. My sister did go to camp, though. She went to, uh, briefly, She we dropped her off. I'd say I was a little kid, so she was probably not much older than 12. I don't know why I'm so stuck on 12 as a camp age. I feel like that's about the average age of camp goers, though, 12. It's like you're old enough to be away from your parents, but you're not too old to be past going to camp. But uh, we dropped my sister off, and she ended up calling my mom like a couple. She didn't stay very long. Like She called my mom, was like, pick me up. She's like, come and pick me up. This is awful. And it wasn't very far away or anything. It was by the water because I, I remember the day we dropped her off. And it was also strange to me. I was a very little kid. I'd say I was probably about four or five at the oldest. And we dropped her off at this campground or this whatever you call those places. They're like barracks, cabins. And it was on a lake as many of them are. As many of them are. And I knew something was wrong because when we pulled up, like the head counselor, like an adult man, he wasn't one of the teenage counselors, he wasn't one of the kid counselors, but it was like the head guy, one of them. He was standing out front, and as as parents were pulling in to drop their kids off, he was like crouched, not crouched, but like kind of like bent down, bent, bent forward, I guess is how I'd put it. And he had his thumbs in his ears, you know that, that classic like like stick your tongue out and like put your thumbs in your ears and wag your fingers I don't even know what that's called it's funny how common that thing is we all have that idea which why did that take off you know I mean granted you can only do so many things 
you can only do so many tricks involving your hand and your mouth and your ears. Like, I guess it's inevitable that people just got stuck on that one. I hate it. You know, I hate when people do that. Even as, because it became like this ironic thing too. Like you have old man characters who do it because like the idea is that it's like a, like a you know, a Dennis the Menace or a, a, tr- a little boy who's a troublemaker does it. He sticks his tongue out and then like sticks his hands in his ears and does that whole thing. It's, it takes so much to describe that. It takes so much effort to describe that. And I wish I could just show you, except I never fucking do that. I never fucking do that gesture. And so the second we pulled into this place and this head counselor, this adult man is doing that. And he had these big glasses. He looked like, he looked like Where's Waldo or something. Like he looked like he was wearing, and you know, honestly, now that I think about it, he might have been wearing one of those fake noses with glasses. I feel like he might have been wearing those because he's just such a goofy guy. He loves gags. He loves making silly faces as people drive in. But I saw that and I got a bad feeling. I was just like, what the fuck is this place? What the, What is he doing? Why would you do that to people as they drive in? Like the idea is that, look, I'm welcome to camp. I'm, I'm such a silly guy. Look at me. You know, it's kind of like the idea, but it, it had the opposite effect of comfort. It wasn't comforting. And I'm not surprised my sister called us like soon and was like, take me home. This place sucks. You know, I'm not surprised based on that vibe. You know, I just don't know. An adult man has no business doing that even as a joke, especially to kids and their parents who are dropping their kids off at camp. Like you're dropping your kids off probably for the first time overnight with strangers. Those kids probably haven't stayed the night with just strangers before. And there's this man out there just going, you know, it's not a good move. And I don't blame my sister. You know, my sister's tough. Like she, you know, beat breast cancer. I'm not throwing her under the bus by being like, oh, she called her, she called my mom crying and wanted to come home from camp. I would do the same thing. I mean, I wouldn't look at me. I didn't even go. It wasn't even considered. I mean, that that should tell you something about the different, you know, just the difference between my sister and I even where it's like my mom thought it might be a good idea for my sister to go to camp and my sister agreed to it. That conversation never even would have happened with me. Like if my mom had said to me, hey, what do you think about the idea of camp? I just would have said, no, 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 You know, I just would have, I wouldn't have even allowed the conversation to take place. There's no way I would go to a camp. Camp. So that's my only real experience with camp. I heard about other kids going. Like I knew a guy who would go to a church camp in high school and he would bring like a 20 sack of weed and sell it for way more. Like he would sell like a single bowl to people for 20 bucks. And so he would make this huge profit on small amounts of weed just because kids at the church camp wanted it. And he he became the man. But I am actually planning on watching Friday the 13th. For whatever reason, I just kind of got this wild hair. I was like, I should actually watch that. I should actually watch a movie for once. I, I don't watch any movies. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I might very well end up back watching this, these kids do a live stream. I might respond to that YouTube comment section on that video where that kid said, I, I first saw this seven or I, I first saw this three years ago when I was seven. 
and I'll respond in three years and say, I first saw this three years ago when I was 35. I should say that to the seven-year-old. I should respond to the seven-year-old's comment. I should say, have you ever even been to camp, kid? Camp kid? I'm going to start a camp, and it's going to be called Camp Kid. (laughs) 1D. Because every once in a while, like, there'll be a, a, you know, this Jason Kidd, famous basketball player, basketball coach, and it's Kidd with two Ds. There was a burger place, probably local to the Seattle area, but when I grew up, there was a burger place called Kid Valley. K-I-D-D. But you couldn't help but think of K-I-D. Kid Valley. Camp Kid. Kid's a good one, though. I'm glad Kid has stuck around. I like calling people Kid. He's a kid. It's one of those words you say it too much and it's going to lose its meaning. It's just going to sound like a... It's just going to sound like nonsense reverberating back and forth in your skull. My skull... My my brain is playing ping pong inside my skull with the word kid right now. It's lost all of its meaning. Kid. Kid. Kid Valley is good, though. We go to Kid Valley to see all the children. Kid Valley is where the kids live. It's a society of kids. Camp Kid. What else is there to lie about, though? I mean, I've joked on here before about how I need to lie more. How I need to just, like, come up with more and more lies that, like, where, where there's never going to be any repercussions. Because I don't know how that works. Like, telling deliberate lies that affect the world you live in, like, that affect, the impact people you know, that's how the world gets smaller. Like, when you lie in that way, the world around you gets smaller. It's like a wet shirt that clings to you. That's what a lie is like. But I wonder if you lie to total strangers about nonsense that has no impact on them or you or your life. It's just like the cashier at the grocery store that you go to sometimes is going to think your life consists of something that it doesn't. I wouldn't do that. I'm kind of afraid to do that. Because even though it doesn't have any direct impact, it just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. But I'm considering it. I'm considering lying to strangers more. Just as an exercise, if nothing else. I mean, I feel like it would be a fun exercise to lie to strangers. I mean, it would be fun to tell people I'm a professional gamer. Just to tie these topics together. Just to sew this episode up before I close out. I should start telling people I'm a professional gamer. And if they ask me who I am, I should tell them I'm that guy that I watched. And they would, if they actually cared enough... Well, first of all, I would tell them I'm that guy. And I would say, yeah, me and my girlfriend we're both professional gamers and, you know, she does some self-help fitness videos too because, you know, we want to encourage our young fans to be healthy as well as devoted to the world of video games. We want them to do a little bit of it all. You know, we want them, we want them to be well-rounded. We want our seven-year-old fans to be well-rounded. But just tell people like, yeah, me and my girlfriend are professional gamers and we make a living doing that. And if they ask me what my channel is, just give them the name of that famous channel that I watched. And if they look it up later, they're going to see the webcam video and they're going to see that it's not me. And that seems like it's 
I, I don't know. I mean, that just seems like a good thing to do. Just like make a stupid lie that can be easily proven wrong if somebody cares enough to look it up. Maybe I should do more of that. But maybe I'll do that and I'll think this will have no repercussions and it will. Maybe it'll have massive repercussions in some way that I can't possibly predict. But I feel like if there's one lie that you're going to tell people, professional gamer isn't a bad one. That seems like something you should tell girls too. And you should tell, like, this is, this is ideal. If I ever go on another date again, I probably sound like a horny celibate with the amount I've been talking about this lately, and maybe I am. It's what Krishna Das and Ram Das would call a, a horny celibate which I don't feel like normally describes me, but maybe lately it does. But if I'm ever on a date again, this is, this is me being horny, by the way. Me being horny is thinking about the elaborate lie that I'm going to tell on my date. It has nothing to do with lechery or perversity. It's just me thinking about the, the mental games I'm going to play on the next date I go on in 2035 when I'm really old. And that's, that's what I'm going to do when I'm like 55 years old or how many years away is that 15 years, 14 years. So I guess I'll be 49 when I'm 49 years old, I'm going to go on a date and I'm going to say then that I'm a professional gamer. And by that point, professional gamers will be antiquated. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a live streamer. Telling girls that you're a live streamer. But the thing is, you might get some respect. I mean, you these days you might go on a date with a girl and she knows more about video games than you do. I mean, that's the, that's true for me. I went out with a girl who, it turned out she was really into video games, which was unexpected. That was her main thing. She, she mainly played video games. And at that point, I, I, I long stopped playing video games. And she brought up something, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, I, uh, I played all the original Final Fantasy games. And I thought that I was going to get, I thought I was going to have some credibility by dropping knowledge about these early RPGs and stuff that I was into. She didn't care. She's playing new games. I mean, that happened to me with a cashier where this cashier at the grocery store was ringing me out. And it was one of those where, like, you could tell he was almost off his shift. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm almost off my shift. I can't wait to go home. I'm just going to play games, video games all weekend. And I was like, oh, I just started playing Final Fantasy VI for the 300th time. And he's just like, uh, cool. He's like, I'm gonna, And I asked him what he was going to play, and it was just a bunch of new stuff. But he couldn't give a shit about the fact that I'm replaying some old game from my childhood. Meanwhile, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to have this, I'm going to really connect. I'm going to really connect with this uh, cashier. We're going to have a deep conversation about games. He's going to like me. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to think I'm cool. And it's just that funny thing, though, where you, you find out that like they play this new shit and they don't give a shit about what you play. They play this new shit and don't give a shit about what you play. New shit don't give a shit. That's what they say. That's what all the girls say these days. When you bring up video games with girls today, they say, new shit, don't give a shit. I play new shit, don't give a shit about old shit. That's how all the girls sound these days if you're not familiar. And if you're not familiar, you need to get out more. You need to get out more. Talk to more girls about video games and you'll hear them say that. I play new shit, don't care about old shit. Uh, but it is that thing, it is funny. Like I'm like, oh, here, here's a chance for me to like share what I know about video games from 25 years ago, 30 years ago. It doesn't get you anywhere. 
But I, I am looking forward to telling girls about my live stream channel. I'm looking forward to telling everybody about it. I'm looking forward to telling everybody I come into contact with about my live stream channel. And I think it's better to, I mean, although you could come up with a completely fake one. And if they can't find it, you say, well, that's on you. Oh, you can't find my YouTube channel? I mean, you must be stupid. The algorithms must must have let, you must look at tons of stupid shit on your phone because the algorithms are probably leading you deep down into whatever abyss you've created for yourself. My YouTube channel should come up right away when you just type in professional gamer. Professional gamer. My YouTube channel should come up right away when you type in professional gamer. Blame it on them. That's gaslighting, right? Like if you tell a woman on a first date that you are a professional gamer and she asks for your YouTube channel and you give her a fake name, and she can't find it. And then you tell her it's because she looks up stupid shit on her phone. And now the results she get are all, she gets are all messed up. And if she actually knew how to use Lady Google, she would have gotten the results right away. Because I'm the most famous gamer, at least in this part of the country. And there's seven-year-olds who know who I am. There's seven-year-olds who are nostalgic about what I do. There's seven-year-olds who will re-watch old videos of mine just to wax nostalgic about it. That's got to be insane, though, to have seven-year-old fans. To be an adult man. It's one thing if what you do is just deliberately aimed at kids, like you play a goofy children's character. Like you play a children's TV show character. That makes a little more sense that you have super young fans. But the idea of doing something that's, you know, I mean, playing games is, was kind of a kid thing. Now it kind of exists in this middle ground. I feel like teenage fans are a little different. You know, teenagers are, you know, we, we know what teenagers are like. But they're almost adults. So I feel like having teenage fans is a little different. But when you have fans that are like 7 to 10 years old... I don't even know what you think about. Like, if you were to get stoned and think about the fact that you're making a living because 7 to 10-year-olds love you, that's got to do something to your mind. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe you feel good about it. I don't know. I mean, it makes me think, like, one of my friends made me watch these videos by a guy online. Here, This has just become some sort of, like, internet commentary show, but at least we're not talking about women in revealing clothing out and about like we have been lately. Uh, That's coming. There'll be more of that, though. Uh, But, you know, I was thinking about these videos that a friend showed me. They were just unbearable. And it's, again, a guy who's famous, a guy who makes a living doing videos online. And he shares, like, these compilations. I mean, he doesn't make any of it himself. Like, he, he makes compilations of true crime and supernatural and just I mean I I don't know all of what he does but what I saw it's like he takes like true crime stories the unexplained supernatural he does videos about ghosts people probably know who I'm talking about I don't know but he talks in this very strange way his way of narrating he's just narrating these clips that he found like he just finds clips online he puts them together and he narrates over them and he explains them in his own voice 
but his own voice, it's very, it's monotonous, but he emphasizes words very strangely. Like he, he's doing almost upspeak, but it's not like any upspeak you've ever heard. It's like, it's very monotonous. Maybe I do it. Maybe I talk just like him and I didn't know. Uh, but it turns out this guy's very famous for doing this. And I don't even know what he calls himself. Like, at least other people can say, I'm a professional live streamer. I'm a professional gamer. What's the easy way to describe your occupation if you make a living just putting together clips of the unexplained and horrendous and narrating over it? I don't know. A true crime documentarian, maybe. But anyway, I found out that this guy, because like my friend kept showing me his videos, I'd be visiting... And she kept showing me these videos of this guy. And I just, I thought it was so, I mean, I, I was interested in it, but not because of like, I wasn't actually interested in what he was saying. I was just more taken by the fact that people are actually fans of this guy. I was more surprised that this guy is very successful at what he does. And so just the idea of it was interesting to me. And it turns out, yeah, he is very successful. But again, he has fans that are like seven to 10 years old. And I saw this photo of him posing with these kids. And it was like, there was a caption. It was like, meeting a couple of my fans. Like, I, I appreciate you guys so much. And they were little kids. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying little as in 14 years old. I'm talking about seven to 10 years old. I don't know why I'm so stuck on that age range. It's all because of these YouTube comments I saw. But it just blew my mind, like, you're fans, and kids can be fans. Kids are devout fans. I'm still a fan of some things I was into when I was seven years old. But yeah, I'm going to start lying to women. Not even to get anything out of them. Just so that I can get mad at them and tell them it's their fault that they can't find my YouTube channel. Something wrong with your phone. There's something wrong with your phone. I'm all over. I'm all over. <laughs> I meant that to mean I'm all over the internet. It sounds like something else, but maybe that's true too. I'm all over. I'm all over. But it's your fault. It's your fault that you can't find me. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me 